Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. If there was one line, I always get told, you must have one line that people can take away. So I'll give it to you in the beginning. So if you want to switch off, you can switch off. Um, But the one line is, is that you have been equipped to bring the kingdom culture into this world. Okay, and we're going to unpack this as we go on. I'm going to be asking a lot of questions tonight, and hopefully you guys have the answers. So I'm just going to run through the questions, and then we'll go through them one by one. So the first is, what does the kingdom look like? Why do we need to bring the kingdom culture into the world? Where should the kingdom of God be? Who is the kingdom of God? How do we advance the kingdom, and when will we advance the kingdom? Okay, so the first one is, what, is, what does the kingdom look like? And I think this one is actually simpler than we, we think. We actually repeat it to ourselves so many times, whether it be through songs or scriptures. And I just like literally off the top of my head thought of some songs we sing, which I think kind of outline the kingdom of God. And I mean, the things we sing are greater things are still to come. Greater things are yet to be done in the city. Spirit break out, no longer a slave to fear. You make me brave. You call me out beyond the shore into the waves. We will not be shaken, and I mean, that was just off the top of my head. I'm sure the worship guys can give me a whole list more that kind of outline the kingdom for us. Um, Then some verses from the Bible, I I think one that we often like hearing is, uh, as on earth as it is in heaven, and I think we have some pretty high expectations of heaven, and we kind of know that even those expectations will be completely shattered, so that's quite a big one. In Corinthians, it says, we will go from glory to glory. And we've seen and heard of amazing glory, so we can kind of understand that there's even bigger things to come. In Psalms, it says, For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with skillful psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. Because sometimes I think we're kind of trying to decide who is on the throne. But we we keep declaring that God is, is on the throne. So from that, we can understand that the kingdom is run by this mighty ruler. Then in... Uh, Chronicles, it says, yours, O God, and there's some, I'm going to highlight, emphasize some big words here. There's, there's some really like powerful words. Often we, we hear the, the softness and the gracefulness of God, but there's some big words in here. It says, O God, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, indeed, everything that is in, is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion. O God, You exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And and in your hand is power and might. I mean, these are big words, you know, like, like greatness, power, majesty, glory, victory, everything. And it says, your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. So it's, it's big things. There's another verse in Matthew that says, The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then it, the last little line says, And then the end will come. I'm like, she, okay, woo. So that could be another whole preach there. But basically, guys, there's some, there's some big things. There, there's some powerful words that, are, that we actually declare all the time. So when answering the thing of what is the kingdom, the kingdom is what we declare all the time in our songs, in our scriptures, in, in, the, in our, almost our lingo and the jargon we have as Christians, we, we've kind of numbed ourselves to realizing that that is actually the kingdom. And that is our culture and the culture that we will bring to all the earth. Because I think we have the answers to this broken world. The, the poeticness of the Bible is beautiful. 
and it speaks of a world that is so much grander and, and exciting than the world that we actually live in. Which comes to the second question, why do we need to bring the kingdom culture into this world? And I think it's so simple because we, we hear all these like majesty and, and incredible things declared in his word, and we look around and we see, well, I actually don't think this is happening in our world. This world is full of fear and, and hate and dishonor, and it is not what we preach and not we, what we read or what we sing. So basically, why do we need to bring a kingdom culture? And just to be arrogant about it, what we have is better than what the world has. And, and we need to get excited about that. I, I don't like when Christians are, are, are timid about what they have. You know, I, I'm a bit of a cocky guy sometimes, but you know, being a Christian, we can be. What, what we have and what we have in this word and what we sing on the words on the screen is, is so much better. And it, I don't even want to get into a debate with secular people because what, what we have is much better than what they have. And I hate to say it like that, but it's true. A few weeks ago, Richard was preaching and... And then my dad preached a week following. And what I kind of picked up from is that sometimes we forget those big things because we are so focused on the small issues of the world. And the devil is so sneaky about the way he, he makes us focus on the small things. And then we can't focus on the big things. What, what, what the word promises is massive. We have incredible promises lined up for us. But the devil will come in and try to say, well, what about your finances? Or what about this relationship dynamic? And those are the small things. That's the things of the world. And as soon as we're focusing on that, that's where our path will take us. Okay. Next question. Where should the kingdom of God be? And, and, and that's an interesting one to talk to church people about because we get quite excited about the big mission trips. We do, and I, I get pumped. I'm, I'm really keen to go to all, all nations and take the word. But I, I quite strongly believe that if we are not faithful for, with what God has placed on our hearts and in our community here, then I don't think he wants us to go out further than that. Because there, there is community right here that needs us. And the kingdom of God, and where is it? Well, it's, it should be in our schools in our workplaces, with our friends, with our families. And we forget this one. It should be in our church. And I'm going to speak about that just now, but we actually, as the church, have a calling to bring the kingdom to this space. And then from this space, obviously, we take it out. And I believe God has got incredible plans for this place to go out further. This church had an incredible hold on places like Zimbabwe, um, Brazil, uh, Madagascar, Mozambique, England, we, we, we went America, we, 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 we're going everywhere, and we, we still are, we still are. I mean, I'm looking at Chanel and Kate, and you guys have been to some pretty cool places, and, and Kayla, you guys have gone to some amazing places, and, and I want that, like, I, I'm a, I'm a, I, like, I like big things, you know, and that's big things, but I, I really feel like there's a call for us to be faithful for, with what is directly around us, because there's so much need, there really, really is. So question number four, who is the kingdom of God? And I mean, I mean, you guys can guess, I'm, I'm going to put the ball in your court with this one. We are the kingdom of God. And I, w I went to, uh, with Lindor the other day to, to minister to his uh, youth group. 
which was actually an incredible privilege. And I shared the story of, of the, well, the parable of, of the talents that were given. So there was a farmer that had uh, a farm and he needed to go away. And what he did was he gave, and I'm going to paraphrase here big time, he gave his, his one servant, he gave 10 million rand. And he said, I will be back in five years. What are you going to do with that? And he said, cool, I'll, I'll do with it. With, with whatever I decide. Then he gave the next person five million and the last person one million. And we, I think we all know the story. He comes back after five years and the guy who was given 10 million rand got, made 10 million more. He said, here's your 10 million and he has 10, 10 million more. And the farmer says, go with that and do it again. Okay? And what he said, go with that, what was now 20 million and do more. So if we, he was faithful for what he was given and he was given even more to work with. And Hopefully, it went to, to 20 million, to 40 million, and et cetera, et cetera, okay? And then the guy with 5 million came back and said, here's your 5 million, and I got you 5 million more. And the guy with 1 million came and he said, I was scared, so I buried it, okay? And so, I don't want to put emphasis on the story, but the conversation that followed from that story with, with, the, with the guys in the valley, and just a bit of context, I mean, they don't, they don't have much. And we kind of had a very open and honest conversation about it. But they all, I said, well, what has God given you? Even if it's you are that person who got given the million, what, what is that million? And it was so incredible to see the things that they came back with. And we kind of, as, as, as a discussion, came to a conclusion that these people had stuff that us in affluent Hillcrest needed. And that was humbling. And that, that was almost like, it, it, it like gets me a bit emotional now because they, the little that they have, they, they say, actually, we, c- we can take that and we can do big things with that. And it, it really, it, it caught me by surprise how, how much that affected me because they were willing to do so much with their so little. And it got to a stage where I, I couldn't even call it so little anymore because of the way they spoke about it. They were so confident in what God had given them and that they had the ability to use that. And, and on a secular level, I would, I would say that we have been given more. We have been given so much. We have been blessed by God in ways that we can't fathom and that I don't think we realize. And again, we get caught up in the small things and we forget what the calling has been placed on our life. So... I mean, if I gave this pen to, to Grandma, what would you do with this pen? Can this mic be on? Wait, is this on? You'd use it to write. What would you write? Um, whatever I needed to. Okay, <laughs> okay. If I... Um, okay. If I, gave, if I gave this to Talks... Okay? Talks is money. What would you do with this money? I can buy what, what I want. To, you can buy what you want. Okay? What, what, like, what else have we been given? Okay? Can I get Caleb and Sean up? Okay. So these guys have been given some pretty cool things. Sean's got a cool guitar over there. And Caleb's got some bang-bangs up there. And... I asked them just before, so they haven't really practiced, but what, what can you guys do with what you have been given? So a simple pen you can write something with. 
okay? You can write a story, you can take notes, you can do whatever you want with that pen. Torx has been given money, he can buy whatever he wants with that, okay? And these guys have been given these bang-bangs, and they're gonna show us what they can do with it. So, guys, let's get them pumped, let's get them keen. Hey, that's so cool, guys. Like, that's really cool. No, I dig that, I dig it. When Sean slaps that bass, I really dig it. Eh? <laughs> okay. Um, okay, I've got to compose myself here. Okay. So, guys, we are the body of Christ. We really are. And it never said in the Bible that pastors and elders and evangelists are the body of Christ. They said we are the body of Christ. And I think we've believed a lie that we need a title or a paycheck from the church to actually be part of that body. What we also fall in the trap of doing is sometimes we feel like we need affirmation to be a part of that, a part of that body. And I'm definitely one that falls into that category. I've never needed a title or anything to, to impact the kingdom, but for me, affirmation has been my stumbling block big time. Um, I'm a real numbers guy, and I work in the coffee shop now, and at the end of the, well, actually, constantly, every half hour, I'll check the numbers to see what's, what's happening. Dill knows, he sees me on the, on the laptop checking the numbers, and at the end of the day, I'll check the numbers, and I'll, I'll balance things, and I'll, I'll go to Funky Faye in the office, and we'll, we'll check the numbers, you know? And I, if I'm honest, I, base, I often base my success on the numbers. And, and Sean, as, as a businessman, I'm sure the numbers are really important. And, oh, don't worry about, here we go, here we go, don't worry about the numbers. Um, but sometimes we, we quantify our impact by the affirmation we get. And sometimes that's from the, the elders or the, or the core team in, in, in our case. Sometimes it's our, our friends. Sometimes it's our home group leader. And to be blunt, our home group leaders, I'm looking at Chanel now and, and pastors looking at my dad now, it is not their job to affirm you, actually. It isn't. It is their job to lead and to prepare messages and to do weddings and, and, and all those things, okay? We should not be driven by their affirmation. And I, I've, I was in a church in Pretoria, and, and you can just see that people um, were just sucking onto the, the affirmation of any leadership they could get. And it is such a crutch. It really is. Because... One day, what happens if that person isn't, isn't giving the affirmation anymore? 
then is your ministry going to crash with that? And we need to realize that we have been assigned to be the body by what's in here and the Holy Spirit that lives in us and not the people around us and not the numbers in my case at the coffee shop. Hillside is also moving into a non-hierarchical leadership structure, which Richard's been explaining and the team's been explaining over the last few months, if not, a, if not over a year now, and which kind of means that we need to honor the people around us, but we actually, we don't need permission to go on a mission trip. We don't need permission to have curry community after church. So it gives us the freedom and capacity to work in the spaces God has declared over us. And, you know, if, if you want to go to Mozambique, like Craig did, and to go minister there, then you must be the one who must go and raise the funds. You must be the one to prepare the sermons. You must be the one willing to take time off work. Or, okay, that all sounds a lot. Or, you are the one to set up a team to do that. I mean, the body has so many parts. And they, they, I mean, we look at, I'm looking here and like we, are, we are blessed, you know. We have people that can play bang bangs and slap the bass, you know. So get those people on your team. <laughs> and let's go to Mozam. I mean, Craig, I mean, chatting, chatting to you guys about that trip it sounded awesome, you know. And like, I want to be a part of that. So I must go and talk to Craig and get something going. Okay? And you be careful now not to go on a little rant. It's all in red as well, which I shouldn't have highlighted in red. It's going to get me more angry. Okay. But guys, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm over people saying, you know what, eh? this church needs more mission trips. Who is the church? We, you are the church. We are the church. If you think this church needs more mission trips, then go on a mission trip. It's, and I'm also a little bit frustrated with people coming up and saying, listen, Stephen, go, go and start uh, a, like, I don't know, a men's group for the young adults. If, it's, if God has put that on your heart, you run with it. God has put stuff on our hearts. And, and I think it's coming across in, in our language and stuff as frustration towards the, the other people in the church. We are completely misdirecting that what God has put on our hearts. Because obviously God has put things on our hearts. If you, if you are looking at my announcements videos and thinking they are horribly edited, which they completely are, they really are, I have no idea how to edit, and you're looking there and that is irritating you like crazy, then if you have a skill to edit, come help me edit my, my announcement videos. Okay. But I, I, I'm being serious. If you are sitting there in your seat and you are looking at, I don't know, someone playing guitar, Pat, definitely not having a dig at you tonight. You did a fantastic job. Um, but if you are frustrated with how the guitars are being played and you know better, then teach the people. Okay? Don't sit there and get frustrated and angry at people because God has placed this thing on your heart and you're not going to do anything about it. Okay? I hope that rant didn't go too far. Okay, Caleb, did you say good? Because you're next in line, dude. <laughs> Guys, 
Caleb was at, a, at a, a youth leaders meeting the other day, and they were sitting around and they said, guys, who's going to host our next Synergy, which is basically where all the youths in the Upper, upper, upper Highway area get together and have a big youth, basically. And people are umming and ahhing, and Caleb, because you know it's part of a non-hierarchical structure up here, said, like, I'm sure we can, we can do that. Okay? And Caleb went to my dad and Luke and said, listen, can we, can we do this thing? And they both basically said, yeah, it's done. Do it. And it happened, guys. This place was crazy. We had like 500 youth, youths from a, the Upper Highway area worshiping God. We had salvations. It was insane, man. It was amazing. And that's because Caleb was like, let's do it. He had something on his heart. You've got a passion for the youth in the area. And he did something. And it, like, I, get, I get pumped talking about it. Do you know, in, in the core leaders, there aren't any qualified medical doctors. Okay. But we are having a heaven and healthcare conference here. That's awesome. Hey, Sue, that's amazing. We don't, we, we, we've got like a builder and we've got doctor's son. Okay, so... <laughs> Dr. Ted over here is going to be giving the first lecture on brain surgery with heaven and healthcare. Um, but there's no one on our team that is a qualified medical doctor, but we as a church are hosting a medical conference. That's amazing, you know? Uh, Chris, doctor, hey? Hey? You're going to bring some power here. I'm keen. I'm so keen. And as soon as we use this Ministry is only for people employed by the church, quote, we are completely disempowering ourselves in what we are qualified to do. You know, we, we have a lot of qualified teachers here, like I see three of them in, in my front row over here. And I guess teacher Tedder as well can, can do a few things. Coach Tedder, actually. Grandfather was a teacher, there we go. <laughs> what is he not, eh? Um, you guys have been given space in classrooms. And if you guys are going to wait for pastors to come step into your school and knock on the door and say, can we minister to your kids, then you're going to be waiting a while. There are businessmen in this space that have businesses full of unsaved people. If you're going to wait for a pastor to knock on your door, you're going to be waiting a long time. I think, I think most people are scared of corporate but you are in there already. We have musicians. And I'm sure you guys can tell me that the, the music industry can be rough sometimes. I mean, Elton shared his story on Tuesday night, and it sounds like a pretty intense industry sometimes. You guys have a capacity to change that space. It's, it's amazing. The Naradius are qualified curry makers. <laughs> so they're going to be making curry for us. If we had Stephen in the kitchen trying to cook curries, it would end really badly. But we've got, we've got people in this church, and the body is full of people that can do these things. Are we being faithful with what we have? You know, in the story that was shared this morning about the Jesus turning water into wine, the people didn't have wine. They had pots of water. 
And all they did was go, yeah, Jesus, <laughs> like we're thirsty. And Jesus came in and turned it into wine. God isn't asking us to do the impossible. He's asking us to be obedient and bring our pots of water. And he will do the rest. You know, when the, the disciples were, were fishing, they fished all night and they, they couldn't catch anything. And Jesus said, just throw your nets on the other side. And they were just obedient. They were like, oh, well, we've tried this all night. May as well. And they brought in the biggest catch they've ever brought. Their nets were breaking. God's not asking us, unfortunately, Dad, he's not asking you to give the first lecture on neurosurgery. Fortunately, Fortunately not. But he's put other things on your life, which you did this morning. In 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1, God says, well, the scripture says, which is God's word, aware. <laughs> As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Don't take what God has given you and squander it. On the, other, on the other side, God has given us talents that sometimes we use to build our own kingdom. Okay. In the Bible, it kind of goes creation, the ark, then the Tower of Babel, which these people were using their skills and like, expertise to build a tower to heaven. And it came crumbling down and they completely ruined their society. Different languages didn't know what was going on. Abraham only built two things. He built an altar, and he built a well. And, I mean, I could do a whole preach on the significance of him only building two things. But sometimes God isn't calling us to build a whole city or a tower that reaches heaven. Sometimes he's calling us to be obedient to whatever he wants us to do. And sometimes that does look like a massive tower. And sometimes it looks like a well and an altar. Okay, question number five and six I'm going to kind of put together. Because this is, sheepers, I've really smashed a whole bunch of time. I did not expect that at all. Guys, I only started preparing after church today, if I'm 100% honest. So I thought we were 15 minutes out of here. Um, so five and six, okay, so number five is how do we advance the kingdom? And number six, which I'm going to put together now, is when will we advance the kingdom? So do we need more confidence to advance the kingdom? Maybe. But do we have enough confidence now to take the first step? I think so. Do we need more success or more history? Maybe we do. But I think we have enough to take the first step. Do we need more teaching? Do we need to sit here for another 52 Sundays? Yeah, it'd be great. But I think we have enough now to take the first step. Do we need more money? Please chat to a guy called Lindo if you think you need money to make a difference. Honestly, that guy doesn't have a car, like, but he will, with no money at all, make the most insane difference. And God will bless that. You know, we had a massive adventure this weekend, over 500 people. They gave lunch packs to everyone, and there were like maybe 100 of them left over. And they came to me, and they said, listen, Steve, I'm, I'm so sorry to do this to you, but we've got like 100 lunch packs left over, and we don't know what to do with them. Like, would, would, can you make a plan, whatever? 
You know, one call with Lindor, we've got like 100 kids now who have lunch packs and sandwiches and chips and we don't need money. Money would be great, of course. Confidence would be great, of course. History and success would be great. But what we have is enough. My final point, which was actually meant to be my whole preach, but definitely not going to be my whole preach now, is do we need more anointing? And I think sometimes we get caught on this. And I did some research into anointing, and the word basically came from, well, it came from two Greek words of Kyrio and Aleophio, and they have, they have various meanings and stuff, but the, it came from the shepherds used to have, have sheep, obviously, and ticks used to crawl up their, their wool and into their ears and actually cause them infection, and they used to die because of these ticks. So what the, farm, well, the shepherds did was quite simple. They used to anoint the sheep's head with oil, and it used to be covered in oil, and basically it was too slippery for the little bugs and ticks to climb up their head and onto their ears. Something so simple. But that word anointing went further, and it, it became, it, it derived another meaning from basically the chosen one. Okay, and obviously when the Greek translates to English, it ends up, it ends up two words, basically. But it's, it's the chosen one. And then it, it's used to reference Jesus as the chosen one. And it says, Jesus was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit to spread the good news and free the captives. Okay. So that was Jesus' role when he was anointed. Then when Jesus left, he left us the Holy Spirit. And I'm going I'm I'm to take liberty here and say we inherited his role and his anointing of spreading the good news and freeing the captives. Because then later on in John, it says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And to further the analogy that I'm kind of building with here is we have become God's chosen one and God's chosen people. And we now have that mantle of spreading the good news and freeing the captives. And with the sheep, and obviously we always get compared to these sheep, eh? these idiot sheep that just die about ticks and stuff like that. But that's us, you know. And we need a shepherd, and we need to be anointed by God. And we have been. We have the Holy Spirit. And if we are the sheep, and those ticks are sin in our life, trying to kill us and rob us and destroy us, we have been anointed, and those ticks have no power over us anymore. So we have complete access to the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm putting pens and money and guitars and bang-bangs in people's hands. But actually, what God has put on our hands is this. And what are we going to do with this? And my final thing, my final question, so I had six there, but seven's a holy number. Why not? Why not spread the good news and why not set the captives free because we have been anointed to do so? Cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Cool. So, guys, enjoy your Sunday evening. I know I will. Um, yeah, that's me, guys. I hope you have a good week, and we're having a community curry on Sunday. Keen to see you there. Sorry, special mention. 
Thank you so much to a few people that came. Grandma, I know it's way past your bedtime. I know you've got a lot of online dating to do, but... <laughs> I mean, Chloe, thanks for coming from all the way from Pretoria. Hey, just for this. And Aiden, my man, thanks for making an effort. I really appreciate it. And to everyone else, I really, really appreciate you guys. And sorry, I was meant to do this in the beginning, but I just had, I just had, had two words. And um, Chris Nurse, I just felt like there, there's, there's something in, in here that you are going to show us how it's done. And I've preached it, but I, I believe you're going to show us how it's done. So, I mean, no pressure, but I'm declaring it publicly. Um, seriously, I'm excited to see what, what this word looks like practically. And then, um, Troy, I just had, had a word, uh, I was praying for you in worship, that I don't know what it is, but I just feel like something's going to click. And I don't quite know what it is, but I feel like it's going to click, and you've been persisting with something, and, and it, you've been working hard at it, and whether it be church community or something in personal life or work, but it's going to click. And I'm excited for that as well. Cool, guys. Have a great week. Woo! Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.